I'm Siri Lindley, two-time world champion, author, speaker, animal activist, survivor, and thriver. I have found a way to overcome every challenge and to take the impossible and make it possible. On my podcast, we're going to talk real life. We're going to get vulnerable. We're going to go first. You're not alone in your fears, your doubts, or your worries. The most successful people in the world have them. Stick with me on this journey. I will help you harness your power, claim your magic, and create the life that you dream of. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bedhead Chronicles. Today, I have an extraordinary guest, Lindsay Dowd, founder of Heartbeat for Hire. Lindsay spent 23 years climbing the ranks at IBM, but now, recently, it's been, I think, in the last year, she pivoted to start coaching organizations and executives in creating the best teams, energized teams, excited teams, happy teams. Lindsay, Harpy for Hire, I love that name. (laughs) You're amazing, please welcome. Thank Thank you. you, Siri. It's such a treat to be with you and I'm really happy to be on the call today. Thank you for the very generous welcome. Well, thank you. And what I love is you really dedicated a big part of your life to IBM. And yeah. 23 years is a long time, but you you climbed the ranks. You did such amazing things at IBM. What led to you saying, okay, I need to pivot? So it's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, everything that happened with the great resignation was happening to me too. And kind of the, the moment that I had was in January where I just kind of took a breath and said, what do I love? What am I good at? And what am I, what am I most passionate about that I can do for a job? And what I came up with was this job description of this chief heartbeat officer. And it was all about creating that really rich sales culture for sellers to thrive in. And the one thing in sales is everyone's very customer focused as they should be. But so many of the leaders find themselves in these management roles. They didn't necessarily want to be a manager. They went there because this was the career path that was logical and they don't delight in the success of their people. They only care about their own pocketbook and they can't provide that solid culture that people really need. And I think the big misconception in sales is People assume these people should be resilient. These people are on a special comp plan. They're making the big bucks. They don't need any nurturing. Let them do their job. But the thing is, they don't let them do their job. They micromanage the crap out of them. And people get tired and burnt out. And the top performers just keep leaving and bouncing to other companies. So that was a very long answer (laughs) to your very simple question. But yeah, that's how I got here. So I created that job description. And the one thing I kept getting was when I was interviewing with companies was, I love it. We don't have it. I wish we did, but I I can't give you that job because it doesn't exist. And I said, all right, so I'll make it myself. And so that's where I landed. And with the great resignation, just for people that yeah. may not be aware of what that is, like, what right. do you believe yeah. led to this? All these people leaving, I mean, even leaving jobs where they're making great money, yes. but saying, and I leave- just want to enjoy my life. I, I don't, I you can't got do it. it 
Well, it's also people were leaving jobs without even having jobs to go to like there. It was so dire for people. And really what prompted the great resignation was the culmination of the pandemic. It was people demanding. I want more flexibility. I I'm no longer going to. I think the pandemic gave everyone this gift of a pause and it gave you this time, this time to say, I'm going to fill my life with things that recharge my battery. And not everybody got that memo, but a lot of people did. And those people were kind of like, I'm done being treated like crap. I'm done feeling like a number. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be in a culture that's positive, that builds me up, that fills my cup, that makes me want to be you know, helpful and collaborative with other people. And what people are really seeking is connection, collaboration, and purpose. And those leaders that can provide that build this beautiful, rich culture that I love talking about. When I see it happening, I get so excited because I share it with other people and you can see the light bulbs going off. They're like, oh, I, I got to try that. Oh, that's so cool. And, you know, some of it's gone really extreme, like the, the CEO of Zoom, tremendous leader, but he tells his team on every all hands call that he loves them. Not every leader is capable of doing that. <laughs> This is me. I do that all the time. And the first time for new people, they're like, huh? And it's like, yeah, well, they don't feel love for you. And we've been so beat down by bad culture and mistrust that when someone says that to you, they're like, no, that no, (laughs) they just don't want to believe it until they see it. And then they're like, oh, wow, she's not kidding. She really does love us. Yeah, it's, wow. it's a, a profound thing when you can build that trust in your organizations. And with trust comes fun. And when you build fun, people want to, they have pride of place. They want to talk about their companies. They want to share their experiences. And as an employer, don't you want your people talking about your company and all the good things you're doing? Exactly. And when you also have that connection to, wow, I love this company so much. I love the people that are leading us. Like I want to be successful, not just for me, but I want to make the whole company proud. You know, it it adds this, this greater desire and energy to want to achieve great things because it's not just for you. It's for everyone around you. So in your opinion and and for what you're teaching these organizations these executives what to you is that incredible culture yeah so it all starts with trust and trust is a hard thing to build when it's not there and so the simplest thing that i like to teach leaders is everything that i teach nothing is like ripping the house down to the ground it's it's patching, it's adjusting, it's rewiring. It's a lot of, you know, think differently about how you're, you're speaking to your people. Everything is about choices. So I love to employ this one um, methodology with managers where I say, ask them the question, ask your direct reports, the question, how can I be the best manager for you? First of all, it's a very humbling question to ask as a leader. I've done it. And you're you're really saying, I want to do right by you. I'm making myself vulnerable, but I'm doing this so I can be the best for you. 
what happens is you get these wildly different answers and it's based on tenure. It's based on experience, age, um, career goals. And when they give you those answers, you have the tools that you need to help feed them, to help make that trust grow. And it's putting actions behind the words. So it's a flash in the pan. If you're like, you guys, we're going to have fun and I'm not going to micromanage you this quarter. Yeah, right seen that before. But when you're doing this kind of conversation and you're committing to it regularly, when your leadership asks you what's going on in sales, you know, you know exactly where everybody is. You understand their aspirations. You understand what they need and, and you become a better manager as a result. But I mean, the, the reps that I used to do this with one was like, I need an escalation point. I got the rest. One said, I need a coach. I need to role play with you. I said, okay. Then I got one who is just like, I think I just need to figure out what my career goals should be. I don't even know. Like, can I do something else other than be in management? Oh yes, you can. (laughs) So it's, that's kind of the base, easy place to start. And when you can start that trust building, that's when the magic will happen. That's when the fun can occur. That's when the the engagement on the team calls really starts to rise. If you're doing a team call and everybody's quiet, maybe you have a tough message you have to deliver, but if it's like that all the time, it's not good. It's not a good sign. Wow. Okay. So Lindsay, I'm actually living proof of (laughs) what you're saying here. You know, there have been times as a coach of triathletes, there have been times where I'm coaching like five of the top 15 athletes in the world. And if I was coaching them all the same, if I looked upon each of them as just a head, not a beating heart, not someone with different desires, different reasons why they want to succeed. If I only looked at them as like all being the same, I wouldn't have had the success as a coach that I had. But because, you know, there was one year at the Ironman World Championships, I had five incredible athletes. And I'll never forget the night before the race, my talk to each of them was totally different because it was based on why this matters to them. What do they need? Do they need encouragement? Do they need this to be a celebration of all the great work that they've done? Do they need me to provide them with numbers that they need to hit and, you know, a strategy for every moment of the race? Do they need me to just remind them of why this matters? Like every single one of those five got a different pre-race talk. Yes. But it was me understanding and seeing that person for exactly who they are, what inspires them, what motivates them, why this matters, that five came in, uh, I think it was four in the top 10 and one in the top 15. Oh my so, God. you guys, this is living proof. So, I need you to listen to everything that Lindsay is saying because culture, I truly believe, is everything. And you said something that I want to kind of bring out into the open, and that is vulnerability. You know, so many people think that being vulnerable, asking that question, how can I be the best leader for you? Like, even I believe in asking that with your partner. Yes. Spouse. What How do you can need? I be the best wife? Yeah. How can I be the best husband? So that you know, okay, great. I have things that I know I can do to be the best that I can be for you. But that that takes vulnerability. It does. So talk about what does vulnerability mean to you and how important is that? So 
A vulnerability is such um, a widely discussed topic at this time, which I love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we already talked about it with your direct reports, but the other thing that I love to do, and I always like to surround myself with people that are smarter than me because I'm going to learn from them. And when you have like a super diverse team, which I've built in the past, which it's richer for everybody. There's different perspectives. And when you say the question, hey guys, we have an opportunity to try something new. Let's build a new best practice. I want to hear, what are your best ideas? What's been working really well for you? I don't have all the answers. I'm not the smartest person here. You all are. What I can do is collect it you know, crystallize it, get it really good and package it up in a way we can all use it. And I did that over and over again. And what that instilled in everyone was she listens. She has confidence in me. She gave me credit. She shared the spotlight. Like these are really easy things to do. And I think some leaders mistake sharing the spotlight for losing power and it's the opposite so the thing that is happening right now especially on linkedin is anybody that's taken any time to start to build their own personal brand will come to understand if it's super polished all the time people don't really believe you and they want to know you're vulnerable. They want to know you have flaws. They want to see the bloopers. They want to see like, God, her hair looked like crap, but she was funny as hell that day. Like they, they just want a richer human experience, which is so true for everything we want right now. Right. We want our life with our friends and our partners to be fulfilling and really recharge that battery. So we're taking the time to kind of recognize what are the ingredients of the things that make me feel that way. And you can't get there barreling through life and being like, I'm here. (laughs) I'm doing, you know, you, you've got to expose yourself a little bit and say, yeah, this is hard. This is new. And I could use some help. People love to help. I, I did a post a couple months ago. I was having a bad day. There wasn't really anything specific that went wrong. It just, I had imposter syndrome. I was just kind of struggling. And I put a post out there. I'm like, oh, I'm not feeling it. Like today is just hard. And there's nothing anyone can fix or do to tell me it's going to be okay. I had like hundreds of comments from that post. And it was me just like having a pity party. And I wrote at the end of the post, I'm like, my pity party's done. But I know there's other people feeling the same way. And People want to help. They want to encourage. They want to make you feel better. They want to connect. It's yeah. it's just um, vulnerability is, I think, a, a misunderstood thing. Um, but for the people that get it, it's really powerful. So powerful. And you started by saying that culture, the most important thing is trust. Yes. And what we both know is that when you are vulnerable, people trust you. That's right. Well, you're authentic. They can, they can read it. They can see like, you know, if you have something that goes wrong at home or, you know, there's some tragedy or some, something, everybody wants to help. They want to be there for you. They want to know that you're going to be okay. It's the same in this regard. Like if you get up and you say, you know, guys, I gave a speech on the last call. I wasn't happy with it. I didn't like how I said this. And it's not going to happen again, but I just want you to know that was not my best. And I'm showing up for you. Yes. People are like, that's awesome. It wasn't that bad. (laughs) 
Now, I love this so, so much. And I always talk on, you know, fearless authenticity and being yeah. all of who you are and showing all your colors. Because I think when we don't, like you want people to see themselves in you. They want them to see what's possible for them through right. you. And what that requires, and I think about this often, I don't have kids myself, but I think if I had kids, I would want them to know that, yeah, mom's successful, but she failed a lot getting here. She, yeah. she embarrassed herself. She disappointed. Yeah. She was disappointed often. She was afraid. Yeah. She had deep anxiety sometimes. So that when they're going about living their life and they get fearful or they get anxious, it doesn't mean that they're not, you know, capable of achieving success. It just means, hey, you're human. Just like mom, I'm failing. Just like mom, I'm anxious. Just like mom, yeah. I'm afraid. Yeah. So I think that too is so beautiful in what you're talking about, Lindsay, because it's giving people hope. And when you talked about um, wanting to make space for other people, you know, not just being up there and micromanaging and taking charge of everything. I think that the strongest, bravest, and most beautiful gift that you can give the people that work for you or with you is the space to shine. Yeah. To say, I'll step back and I want you to deliver this. Yeah. I mean, what a, what a gift to give someone else. Um, what about the worst cultures? Like, <laughs> What goes wrong in, in yeah. those culture in those organizations that are losing people right, left, and center? What's going wrong? Yeah, so I, I mentioned before a lot of these really tremendously strong sellers find themselves in management positions, and this is due to a total lack of creativity by leadership. So when you think about a really great seller and you see them just crushing it, a company says okay, they're doing so well. How do we magnify that? Well, we got to make them a manager. They have to stop and they have to say, you know what? This is a tremendous rep. She should stay a rep. She loves to delight in her customer success, but she doesn't care about anybody else. She should never be a manager, but what can we do? Well, let's have her teach a class. Let's have her be on the next all hands call. Let's make her role have tears to it so she can climb the ranks and stay a phenomenal rep. This woman was on my team. This is a true story. This woman was making over a million dollars at the half in commissions. She was crushing it. She didn't give any, she did not care about anybody else's success. She just wanted to be a seller. And someone gave her the foolish notion that her resume was stale and that she hadn't changed jobs in 10 years. And so she wasn't going to be perceived as successful. And I was so mad when I heard that. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're so successful. You should do exactly what you're doing. And I just, I, I, I cringe when I hear that. But to answer your question, I, I worked for a woman who was a phenomenal rep, very strategic, very smart, could pivot on, the, on a dime with her numbers and which way we needed to go with the deal. This is the same, same kind of person that the woman I just talked about, but she became a manager and she did not believe in positive feedback. And I asked her about it one day and I said, you know, I've been working for you and it's a new job for me and I need to know that you see what I'm doing. I don't hear any positive feedback from you. Could we work on that? And she said, oh, well, you and my husband would get along well. 
And I went, so it's a character flaw. Great. So the next time I brought it up, I said, you know, we talked about positive feedback and it's really important to me that you see what I'm doing and that I'm, I'm tracking right. And she said, well, I worry if I give you any positive feedback, you'll think you're doing great all over. And I was just like, oh no, this person is just never going to be the kind of manager that anybody needs. And it was such a toxic environment. Um, It was just a really, really hard place to work. And I ended up having to leave that job. Um, It was like health. My health was in jeopardy. I was starting to get an ulcer. I was so anxious. And she would also say things like, um, I don't like how you did on that last call. You didn't represent yourself well. So I hope you clean it up for the next time. Well, how do you think I did the next time? I sucked. I didn't have anybody saying, rely on your instincts, do what you do best. You were really good at pivoting on the fly. Go. Had I had that, I would have been great. But when somebody makes you feel small and when somebody only points out the negative, that's where you're going to live. And that breaks a spirit. Um, And it definitely was hard for me. It was it was such a gut punch. But I also had leaders. One of my favorite leaders, she said to me, she said, um, it was a new job and I was telling her what I was thinking about. And she goes, girl, I've got your back now fly. And that gave me permission to go try new things, to crush it, to build new relationships and to call her for support. It was an open door. And I had another leader and she said to me, there's a lot of women leaders I'm talking about right now, just the way the conversation's going. But she said, um, okay, so what ideas do you have for the team? Cause I don't have all the answers. So let's hear it. And I was like, what? You want to hear from me? This is great. So like I went to my team, I'm like, you guys, we have an opportunity to do some new things. So what are you thinking? And to have that kind of support, you blossom, you, you just, you shine. And that's the difference between the good and the bad. And I've done both. I've, I've seen both. I lived through both and I know what the right way is. And I know what the wrong way is and the wrong way is just tragic. So I love how you've taken every experience and kind of come up with your strategy through what you know worked for you, what you've yeah. seen work for others, and what you know has destroyed yeah. people. Yeah. And I wanna just applaud you for that time going back and saying, no, I really need some yes. positive feedback. I need yeah. you to see what I'm doing because I think a lot of people are afraid to once they hear that they're afraid to stand up for themselves and to back themselves and to ask for what they need to you know set boundaries even if it's your boss yeah um how do you what advice can you give people about you need to stand up yeah so one thing that I did a lot of at IBM, and I really encourage this in, in other companies, is building a culture of advocacy. And advocacy is a little different than mentorship. You know, everybody does the obligatory, oh, I'm a mentor. Yeah, I'm a mentee. And you do those conversations. And unless you really connect, sometimes they fall by the wayside and it just doesn't continue. But advocacy is a little different. Advocacy is 
if I said, Siri, you're new to this company, um, I want to introduce you to this other leader. I think you have a lot in common, and I just think you need somebody in your corner. And so what you have to have permission from the company is that none of the leaders are going to get offended if someone goes outside a reporting line or if they go a few levels up. You have to kind of say, no, we're executives. We're here to empower our people. We want them to feel included. We want them to feel empowered. We want to get to know them because we want to cultivate the best talent we've got. So when you do this advocacy thing, it's brilliant. I had a a woman um, who was referred to me. They said, Lindsay, you got to go talk to this woman, Melinda. She's amazing. She's a a VP. And I, I heard she's hiring. I'd never met her before, but I came in on a warm referral and, you know, we're both working for the same company, but she was just in a different part of the business. And so she's like, tell me about you. What's your story? So I told her and I said, so based on what you heard, you know, do you have any jobs open? And she said, actually, I have five. I'm like, I... I only need one. <laughs> like, what do you mean? And she said, no, you could do five jobs. These five jobs, you could pick any one you want. Just tell me which one you like the most and I'll tell you more about it. And I was like, oh, oh my God. So she went through, told me all the jobs and I picked the one I wanted. And that launched my career in a whole different direction, which was so wonderful. And those kinds of people have stayed in my life. They still get Christmas cards and you know they become these you know, cheerleaders and wise sage people that have had more experience in some places and less in others. And those relationships are are really to be treasured. Um, you know, I love to give this advice to all the college age friends that I have, my, my friends that have college age kids now and, and those that I've met through LinkedIn. The one advice, piece of advice I didn't get, and I wish I did, was your professors are brilliant people, spend some time with them, get to know them and invest in those relationships. Because if you're studying something you love, that's gonna be someone in your corner for all your days. And I missed that memo. So I always try and tell people like, don't do what I did and just like get through college to be a grown up because that's just sad. But um, I do think it's the same with your corporate life. And you know, whether it's internal, Internal is super helpful because they can tell you if you're acting crazy, if you have a future in a specific job, but they can also tell you if they know somebody's hiring and that's where you can kind of figure out your path. That's incredible advice. And that's more of that connection that we all want. We're often afraid to ask for it, but we all need it. We all want it and we all want to help one another. So that's brilliant, brilliant advice. And it just all of this, you know, the power of proximity, who you're spending the most time with every day. Yeah. Like, look around you. Are you spending time with people that are dimming your light and making you feel crappy? Or are you surrounding yourself with people that are pushing you to grow and to become more? And it sounds like you really have that dialed in. And, And this advice is just so powerful. Thank what you. made you you? Because you're you're amazing, <laughs> Lindsay. So how, what, what do you attribute to you having this passion, having this kind of uh, thirst for learning and growing and sharing that with everyone around you? I I mean I I had a very fun weekend, and one of my friends was saying to me, she's like, "You are just this 
this sponge she goes my sponge is soaked and it's like overflowing and nothing sticks in my brain she goes yours just keeps going and you just collect things and I do really love to learn and I think that's kind of a big mistake that a lot of leaders make they're like I've been doing it this way for 15 years I've been leading for 20 years when was the last time you took a course to make yourself learn more or learn be better or evolve and um I I really have a great passion for growth and seeing people grow and change and learning lessons. Um, I, I can remember this one lesson I, I learned um, early, early in my days at IBM. It was actually Lotus then. And um, this leader, I was, I would come into her office and I would vent and I would tell her all these things. And I was so excited and I have this idea. Da, 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 da. And she goes, Lindsay, you're so good at telling me what's wrong. And you're so good at telling me all the things that need fixing, but you never come to me with solutions. And I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh, I'm horrible. I'm so, I just come to you and I bitch, this is horrible. Well, I never forgot that. And that was something that I always taught my teams and I tell my kids. And, you know, if you have a problem, I'm all ears, but come with the solution. And even if we can't do the solution, let's think about it. Let's figure out a better way to do whatever this is. So it's not busted. Um, you have to be able to create that space for feedback and how I got to be who I got to be. I mean, it's such an amalgamation of things over the course of my life, but there are a few things that I know to be true. I love to, I love to see people grow and thrive. I love to see people succeed almost more than I love to see myself succeed. Um, I, I love building these really wonderful, rich teams. And that is so rewarding to me when I can see them having fun and crushing it. Like that's totally possible. And that's the point of why I'm doing this. It's all for results. It's not just let's build some nice culture. So people feel warm and fuzzy. That's cool. <laughs> that's important, <laughs> but I, it's for results. And um, you know, I've, I've lived a lot in these 50 years. I just turned 50 and, um, I, I just kind of look at, this is a place that I can contribute. I can make a difference. And when I have the opportunity, it gives me as much joy as it gives the people that it is watching their culture change. So I don't know if that really answered your question. It did. <laughs> and I just, I love that so much. And I think one of the things you said, you're always wanting to grow and learn. And I think that it's so important, you know, for, for coaches, for leaders, yes. if you're just asking your people to do things, but you're just staying the same, no. I don't think there's the same kind of, you know, you want to inspire, right? You want to be an example of what's yes. possible and, and constant growth and constant acceleration and setting higher standards and becoming more. And I feel like that's such a strength of yours mm -hmm. that you recognize the importance of that. Yeah. Um, cause, and, and I love also from way earlier on in this conversation, how you say, you know, I don't know at all. No, no, I'm learning. And, and Siri, when you think about like technology has evolved, the way we learn has evolved, the way we work has evolved, the way we talk about people, the way we appreciate culture, why wouldn't leadership evolve? And, you know, you look at somebody like Richard Branson, do you think he's leading the same way he was even five years ago? Absolutely not. No. I mean, the best leaders are the ones that recognize 
okay, I got something to learn here. I got something to change and do. And maybe I was one of these leaders who was super aggressive and I belittled people and I micromanaged and I made people feel small. I can't do that anymore. Um, and you know, you and I work with somebody and he's had a major evolution. Um, and he tells me, he's like, I was the meanest, like toughest, most aggressive guy. And now I'm so much more compassionate. He goes, people can change. Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, I think often people believe they know a person from 20 years ago and they take a snapshot of that person oh. exactly as they were, who they were, what they did, what they believed. And they assume that 20 years later, they're still the same. But the thing is, we all have the capacity to change. Even if you're, you know, 80 years old, you can still yes. change. And I think what's involved in that is, is all of us being able to forgive ourselves for things, you know, like the mis yes. when you said you were coming with a problem, but no solution yeah. and how that made you feel. But in order to move forward with confidence, with belief, you have to forgive yourself. You did the best that you could with what you knew at the time. I was so young. I was just figuring out how to be in a corporate setting. And I had so much excitement and ideas, but I didn't know. I didn't. No one told me, don't do this. And thank goodness that leader said that to me, because what if I was still making those mistakes? I'd be the girl who bitches. That's a horrible, horrible image. <laughs> but now this is like your superpower. You are yeah. coming with solutions. You are coming with a way to make things better. And so yeah. I think that's beautiful. And it's often out of those moments that make us cringe. Yes. That but if we didn't learn from that moment, cool. shame on you, right? I mean, you have these opportunities to, to fall on your sword. And like we said, be vulnerable and say that didn't work. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> or, you know, I, I just feel like everybody is um, hungering for that, that authenticity. And when a customer is looking, I had so many customers ask me, you know, Lynn's, how do you like your job? Do they treat you well? Are you doing okay? Do you like working for so-and-so? When a customer asks you that, they want to know what is the culture of the place I'm buying from? If I'm giving you money, I want to know I'm putting money into something good. And so for the companies that don't think it's important, they should think about it from that perspective. And maybe that's not the most meaningful thing to them, but I assure you, they're watching. They're looking at the reviews on Glassdoor. They're looking at what employees are saying or not saying. Yeah. And I just feel like now more than ever, integrity is so important. And if you're a company, stand by your people and stand by your clients. You, you've got to. Absolutely. And I remember Tony Robbins saying at his business mastery event, how it's so important. Like so often we're thinking only of the customers, but it's like, no, no, no. The people you need to care about the most are the people that are taking care of those customers. Like, I think Richard Branson says that he, he's like, if you take care of your people, they will take care of their clients. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. So Lindsay, what are some habits or things that you do every single day to show up firing on all cylinders like you do? Like, are there certain things that are a must every single day for you? So um, LinkedIn has become a really big source of 
fuel of information. I think it's been remarkable. Um, LinkedIn used to be just kind of a place for an overinflated resume. And now it's a platform of expertise. And um, there's so much good information out there. If you search on hashtag sales culture, 90% of the content's mine, by the way, that's just kind of fun. But <laughs> but um, like if you search on the great resignation, you'll see Harvard um, Business Review is writing about it. Fast Company, McKinsey, they're all writing about what's going on right now. So this isn't just little old Lindsay in the corner being like, pay attention to your culture. Like everyone's talking about this. So that's become kind of a uh, every day I go in, there are new connections waiting, there's people sending me messages, there's clients that want to speak. And out of that has come a bunch of collaborations and partnerships that I really didn't expect. Um, so I definitely do spend a fair amount of time in there each day trying to comment. And it's definitely a place, the more you give, the more you get. Yes. So if you just go out and, you know, read stuff and don't comment, you won't get anything back, but if you take the time, it comes back in spades. Um, so that's been rewarding. Um, I think so much of it is, you know, now that I'm out of, you know, a corporate sea of people looking at my network and saying, okay, who could really benefit from this? And that's been surprising. So, you know, I'll talk to people that are getting promoted into jobs. They're like, okay, I definitely, I've been watching you. I, you have? Yep, I've been watching you. <laughs> I need to talk to you. Okay, and I've got four more people to refer to you. So that's great and super rewarding and fun and the best compliment you could ever give. So I think a lot of that is managing those connections and, um, you know, it's and, and life is just like I said before, I surround myself with people that make me feel really good. And um, when you do that consistently, your cup is full and you just feel good. So absolutely. And I'm a big believer that in order to continue to give at the level that you give every single day, you have to take the time multiple times a day to fill up. To yeah. do what makes you feel alive. And I imagine one of those things, you have two twins yes. or, or a pair of twins. Yes. One, and one <laughs> my wife is an identical twin. So Love I it. know how powerful that connection is. Yeah. Um, and are they kind of growing up in the same spirit that you bring oh into God. this world? Or are they very different? You know what's so funny? So they're turning 14 this week. And this is the first time they're separated um, for their birthday. They've always been together on their birthday. And um, watching them watch me build this company has been really interesting. And so my daughter tells me that she has a whole bunch of friends that follow me. And a few of them have already said that they want to work for me, which I think is really sweet because they're like 16 and 17 years old. So it's a great compliment, but something's resonating somewhere. Yes. So um, they were very impatient when I started the company. And I'm like, guys, we're pulling back a little bit. We're not going to go out to dinner as much. We're not going to buy unnecessary things. I'm building this business right now. So we're going to be pretty cost conscious. And I go, but it's not forever. Like, we're going to be fine. We just have to take a little, you know, ratchet up the wallet a little bit. Mm -hmm. And um, 
my my son was very supportive and very understanding. My teenage daughter is less so, more so because she's very, you know, in her own head of I need, I want, I need, I want, and I need to go here and I want to go there and I will need to see this friend. And he's a little more um, Hadley, stop asking. <laughs> so it's it's been very interesting watching them with this this journey. But my daughter is me on eleven. My son is my husband all day long and you could pick them out of a crowd. Um, it's, it's quite entertaining and they are so different, which is just a riot. So she's meant to be on stage. She's a performer. She's a dancer, she's a singer. She's an actress. And my son is an athlete and he loves sports and he loves his buddies and he's got a little mischievous side to him and he loves to laugh. So they're just, they're their own people. And, um, Amazing. they're a lot of fun and, and a total gift to my life. So amazing and what a valuable life lesson to learn that sometimes you have to take a couple steps back to take a big leap forward so right. um i think that's so important that they're going through that and and experiencing that so that when that happens good for them life, they'll be like yeah this is how it works it's good for them because i think things were really easy for them when we just weren't worrying about money and we were just mom was doing really well and we could do whatever we wanted and i'm like no guys it's it's tighter right now so you know when we're when we're rocking we'll be back where we were but right now it's it was good for them to be humble that way yeah. and um, to build and a consciousness around yeah to appreciate a dollar so yeah. you know they're much more aware of what's in their um their green light accounts so it's it's nice to to see them yeah i'm gonna pick up a couple babysitting jobs i'm a little low i'm like okay awesome <laughs> yeah. i love that okay last question Lindsay. Yeah. You, know you have to go um at the end of your days on this planet what will matter most to you uh that i put good back into the world that i led with heart and that the people around me felt that I was kind, I was a good friend and a good mom. Those are probably the big ones. Well, you've already nailed all of those. So you're amazing, Lindsay. How can people follow you? How can people yeah. So uh, the easiest place is to go to my website, heartbeatforhire.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram um, at Lindsay Dowd, H4H. And I think we'll probably provide our contact stuff on, on the, the podcast. But Siri, this has been so much fun. So much fun. And we're going to do it again. So I'm excited. Let's do it. Wait. Thank you so much. Happy birthday to the twins. Thank you. Thank and you thank so you much. Thank you for blessing us with your presence. Oh, my pleasure. It was a total treat. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Thanks, Siri. Thank you for listening and sharing this precious time with me. Please remember to subscribe and to leave me a review. You can find me on Instagram at Siri Lindley, Facebook Siri Lindley, and Twitter at Seltz, S-E-L-T-S. You can also reach me via email at info at Have an amazing day and shine on.